McLeod. Hello, my children. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Supernatural The Crossroads. I am your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me in studio today is Michael Flores. Hello! You guys are listening to Supernatural The Crossroads on Rain Man Digital, Crossroads 003. And it, we've had a couple of interesting calls this episode. I'm going to just say that right away. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think, once again, I was right about something that we all thought was going to be stupid. You were. <laughs> you were right, and we mocked you yes Ryan and i mocked you so hard so vigorously hard. we mocked you very vigorously hard. and very rough <laughs> again we mocked you and uh yeah you were pretty, I was, spot, I was on. pretty spot on on this one yeah i don't know man if you keep on getting these right this year um i I'm think gonna, i have a class action lawsuit <laughs> or i'm gonna start thinking you're maybe the long lost brother of dab maybe you guys are twins <laughs> maybe you're um Dab's dad was dabbing other places Dab's as well. Dab's dad was dabbing my mom. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You never know. Yeah. So in this week episode, guys, we were talking about season 12, episode 15, Somewhere Between Heaven or Hell. Hmm. And this one hits a lot of older notes. This is very much a Dab's, it seems to be like his signature, I'd say, at this point. Right. Where he's going back to previous seasons, seasons one through five specifically, and taking bits from there and moving it forward into the current storyline. And this could be taken a couple different ways. Right now, I'm staying pretty positive with it. Yeah, you are. You are I'm trying to. You're staying positive. And, and not positive meaning we don't like it, meaning hopefully they're no, not... Hopefully it's not a, an omen. Yeah, hopefully this is them ending the show. Right. Trying to tie up all those loose ends. But what I think is pretty interesting about what Dab is doing is at the start of the year, we talked about this in our show various times throughout this season, as well as Helatus episodes leading up to the season 12 premiere. That Dab went on a kind of a PR junket. Campaign. Yes, yeah, circuit. Saying that he was going to be borrowing a lot of elements from the earlier seasons of Supernatural as sources of inspirations, particularly seasons one and two right right the horror vibe and that's what we thought we thought things and i i even wrote a piece on this you guys can check it out on our website rainmandigitalmedia.com i thought it was going to be more along you know the traditional horror tropes well, or that's what he said right or lighting or how to set up unique character designs and and some of the stuff that season one is really known for is its unique monsters of the week and it's very much 
homage to classic horror movies and elements. And yes, we did get some of that this year, but I'm seeing that it, it, it seems to me that Dab's resolve for this season is much broader than just seasons one and two and using them as sources of sources of inspiration. It seems like he's using the entire Kripke run, uh, including some of Gamble, which is arguably some of Kripke as well, right. since he was still on board as a consultant when he, conversing with Gamble for season six. It seems like he's taken a lot of the the Kripke treasure. You know, yeah. digging through that trove. Well, there's plenty there to use. I mean, yeah. we've seen the return of the cult. We've and seen the return of the alpha vamp. You're we... getting no complaints from me. No, definitely we're not. not. Definitely but... not. I'm, I'm happy. I just, I didn't expect this. I expected him, like I said, more along the lines of seasons one through two. But we're right. getting a little bit of, uh, a little bit of everything, it seems like, from the earlier seasons, right? We've gotten original monster concepts from the beginning of the show. The cult was season one. Hellhounds, I believe, were season two. Yeah. You know, in, in this episode, we have to talk about Joshua. Yep. Which was wow. season five. That's a I big one, too. Did not see that one coming. Not at all. That was something that I thought worked really well as a one-off in season five. And he did everything he needed to, and we never really had to come back to that character. But I am excited that he is coming back. Yeah, I, I in never, some capacity. never would have expected for him to come back. Just because no. you, you, you said it, like, he was a great one-off. There was no one need. Off. He was a great one-off. He served his purpose on arguably one of the best episodes oh, of Supernatural. Dude, one of my favorite episodes. So, Holy crap. So to even mention him in that way got me pretty giddy and excited. Yeah. But also fearful because I'm a negative Nancy. I get scared. Well, and this is something we talked about, I, I think, just last week yeah. was... Does all of this returning previous elements back to the show, is it a sign that they're trying to wrap things up for ultimate closure? Or my stance on the issue, or my uh, my positive hope on the issue, is that it's less trying to bring back and tie up all these loose ends as it is to try and close the chapters on things that Dab feels like fans are going to constantly ask questions about. Right. And clean the slate so he has a foundation on which to build something new. Yeah. You know... Gamble kind of had that already from the gamut. Seasons one through five pretty much cleared up as many of the... There, there's very few plot holes. In my opinion, I don't feel like there's anything. I know a lot of people get on about the Antichrist, but right. th that one issue aside, Gamble had a clean slate in which to tell her new story. Carver didn't have that. You know, season seven ends on a cliffhanger. There's all this new lore introduced that isn't completely finished or is still open-ended new characters. I mean, we even have it with the Alpha Vamp saying, we'll see you next season, which clearly didn't happen. <laughs> right. So well, Carver had a lot of doing his own thing and, and leaving a lot of things by the wayside that we had questions about. And I feel like Dab here is trying to tie in or finish up some of those things we've always been questioning to, again, set a clean plate before doing his own thing. Right. And this can also be almost like an anti- an anti a lot of fans could definitely appreciate something like that. Uh, and what I mean by anti-retcon is, a lot, okay, we're 12 years in. A lot of things get jumbled. And this is an ongoing conversation that I have on various shows that I do on this network, whether it be Star Wars or Star Trek. When you have a franchise that's lasted for so long. Generations. You end up running against yourself. You are, it's inevitable. You end up getting writing yourself into a corner because there is nowhere left to go because of whatever story you wrote on season three or movie number seven. 
it's hard to keep the story fresh and going when you've done everything or you've written yourself into a corner so that you, oh, we can't do that because we said this. So this may be a neat way for, Car or for Dab to do his own version of a non-retcon. Let me close out all those loose ends that have been, that have been left floating in the wind since season one. Let me just close them all out. Let me answer this question, this question, tie it into my main myth arc for season 12, and then moving forward, once we've taken those big open-ended questions, and now I can just move forward and not worry about anything else that other writers have done before me. Exactly. If he's doing that, that's pretty fucking smart. It is smart because then you won't have, you no longer have to answer questions like, where's the alpha vamp? What happened to the cult? Is Adam being, you know, vigorously bummed in the cage? Right. <laughs> As we've painted a horrible, horrible picture. Well, you know, help me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to answer those questions anymore. You, you can just focus on the story you're trying to tell. And that's something, again, that both Kripke and Gamble had the advantage of. They only had to fo focus on the story they wanted to tell. Carver had to kind of deal with a couple other issues, and Dab is really kind of cleaning up that. Right. Not mess, but like the, the stuff that's been left behind. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be, it's good, and I'm, I'm staying positive at this point. I like it. I don't have a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, I love seeing the return of all this stuff, dude. Yeah, it's very Absolutely fun. love it. It's really fun. And I'm, I'm hoping, as a supernatural nutcase, that I'm hoping that it is his version of a retcon. I'm just yeah. clo closing things out. I'm doing a little etch and sketch maneuver so that I can just move on and we never, ever have to question these things because of I, I've dealt with them. Exactly. It's spring cleaning. Yeah. Let's move on now. Now, this isn't exactly supernatural related, but we have to talk about it. So we're just <laughs> we'll get the let's just get it out elephant of out of the room. Yeah. The, yes, there was a Walking Dead Negan reference in Supernatural. Now, I almost Thomas did he even want to put it in the show notes just because that little bit consumed social media. Yeah. Out of all the cool things that happened this week. Yep. That is what made headlines. Oh my god, Negan! Another show. Did you made guys headlines. did you guys catch the reference to Negan this week? That's the headline for these websites. I'm like, no, you idiot, I did it. No, I didn't see the giant elephant in the room vigorously masturbating and saying, Hey, look at the walking dead. I, yeah, I half expected Negan to pop up and beat me over the head with it. <laughs> it wasn't exactly subtle. No. And the, the headline was like the Easter egg. No, that wasn't an Hard Easter egg. Hard to miss Easter egg from The Walking Dead. More of this at 10. <laughs> no, blatant prop stand-in yeah. consumes five minutes of screen time and five minutes of me reading this article. And honestly, I don't even know how I feel about it. Here's the thing. Here's my stance on it. And I have an idea of how to have made it a little less on the nose and mm. a little more fun. Yeah. One... I loved the uh, Jensen Eccles, Jeffrey Dean Morgan Twitter verse where it's yes. like, hey, dad found this in the trunk. That was awesome. I love that. It's yeah. very meta. It's very fun. It makes this all feel like and it gets us all involved on social media. Yeah, It makes you feel like you're part of something. You feel like it's a bigger, you know, greater whole. It's kind of like a nice. What if Dean's and Sam's dad, John Winchester, had lived? Right. It's kind of got it's that fun. vibe a little bit. It's fun. But what I would have done is I would have kept the bat in the trunk, and then one episode when we get that, you know, that perfect shot of the trunk with all the weapons, just have the bat tucked up in the top somewhere we didn't really look at before, 
and just leave it there. And that'd be something that we as fans down years down the road would be able to reference this. We would know what it's talking about and it'd be fun. It'd be something that you could look at in like film schools later and be like, this is a reference to this other show because they were the same actor. Yeah. You know, I, this felt a little bit just like, hey, look at this. Yeah. I, my biggest problem is I like to look at Supernatural as a complete package. Um, and this almost, this mars the episode much like Bloodlines. Okay. <laughs> it does. Meaning, yeah, unfortunately, years down the road, when you're watching this on Netflix or on TNT, or your kids, you're going to be scratching your head and be like, why is Bloodlines a thing? Like, what does this episode mean? Why is this like this? You're confused. There are already people confused. There's already people confused on Reddit questioning what this was. Right. People who weren't in the know. You got to remember, not everybody is tapped into social media, you know, via ghost in the shell style where they are fed this, you know, breaking news all the time. Yeah. So this reminds me of that. The Negan bat. Not everybody watches Walking Dead. Okay, not everyone's going to get the reference, and it's going to feel odd and jolting. But yeah, this was Dad's favorite. When in twelve yeah. seasons did he ever say that? So yes, it's fun. You but know, it, was more it, fun it gets as you a little Twitter chuckle. Thing. But at the same time, I look at this as a package, and I don't like it. I think it mars the episode. Again, I think it was more fun as a social media little bit. Agree. I or agree. like I said, had it been far more subtle, like it was on the wall in Dean's bedroom or it was in the trunk of the car or even an old picture of him holding it or an old picture of him holding it. Or, you know, they go through one of Bobby's safe houses and it's like John's shit. What if, in a Mary, box. What if Mary Winchester had some old pictures and he was holding the bat like that would have worked, right? That something like that. Yeah, I was a little. I know this is very nitpicky, but and we may I, be like buzzkills a bit, but pandering. And this is a. I hate pandering. This is textbook. Yeah, this was big time pandering, man. Yeah, yeah so, I didn't like it. You know, to burst some bubbles aside. Sorry, sorry, sorry if, if we're too mean on that element, but it just it didn't work for me. Yeah. It was fun as Twitter. Too much the way they did it, and yeah, and every like headline grabbing <laughs> pathetic blog was like, oh my god. Did Negan! You, did you see Negan? Yeah, you don't even... And the, What makes it even worse is they didn't even... that You can tell they don't watch Supernatural. Yeah. I half expected one of the titles to be Unheard Show Supernatural references Walking Dead. For yeah. some reason, I don't reference. Yeah. <laughs> like the person themselves didn't Very get Very frustrating. Why. Yeah. Yeah. We're Supernatural babies right now, but it's okay. Yeah. That's what we do, right? Yeah. So moving on, guys, we have some little bit of news on the season finale dates for the CW shows have been announced. Now, Supernatural is doing something a little different that is actually, I think, a really good idea. And this is also something that we talked about, not this exact concept, but something we talked about earlier this season. Supernatural looks like the finale is going to be Thursday, May 18th from 8 to 10 p.m. And that means, yes, it looks like we are getting back-to-back episodes for a two-hour finale. Now, whether this is going to count as like one episode that goes two hours, or if it is truly two separate episodes, this is kind of a harken back to what we said in the beginning of this season, and, and previous seasons even, was bring back to be continued. That element of this is part one, there's going to be part two, works for a lot of cliffhangers, and I feel like you could do that with this. Or at least make it a bigger event. You know, Supernatural's been running for 12 years. We are going to watch no matter what. 
it's nice to see a, a nice chunk of time set aside for the show, but a lot of shows, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, have done it where they have bigger finales or longer episodes, and, you know, whether you want to play the game or not, it generates buzz. Yeah, and not only, not only that, but, I mean, the CW puts a lot of emphasis and on special event programming for all the DC shows, uh, Riverdale, Vampire Diaries, the originals, all these different shows, but again, Supernatural falls through the cracks, so if we truly are, if we are to believe this CW affiliate that's been making the rounds here, this article, this link here, then I think it's a good move. It helps create that event you were saying. That yeah. hype. Oh, a two-hour season finale? First off, as a Supernatural fan, excited. it's awesome. To me, that immediately creates enthusiasm for the season finale. The fact that it's a two-hour finale. And that's something we've never gotten as fans of Supernatural. Right. I think the only time we've had anything close was season two. Those are the types of gimmick marketing that they should be doing for the show. That type of stuff yeah. creates the positive type of headlines this show needs the type of headlines that will actually turn from clickbait to actual viewership yeah those are the types of events those are the type of that's the type of enthusiasm we should have from from uh you know from cw so i'm i'm hoping it is a continuous kind of like like you said like a movie i'm feel. just gonna say it is I don't want it to be just like two episodes that are just put together and there's like a week of time between them. I don't think that'll be the case. When you're doing something like this, it's it's deliberate. Yeah. So I'm hoping for a big, epic, two-hour finale extravaganza. I'm just going to say it is. Let's just over... Let's just, let's just say it is. Let's overhype it's, it. It's fake, false news, our yeah. own yeah. version. Yeah, clickbait. <laughs> Fan news, it's going to happen. Oh. Supernatural movie premieres May 18th. So stupid. <laughs> oh, the ne the Negan finale. They're going to use the bat. Oh, what if they what if they promoted it's an that? hour of just somebody getting beaten with a bat? Hey guys, in the season finale of Supernatural, what show is that one? Oh, it doesn't matter. They're going to use the Negan bat Aww. to actually kill a monster. Yeah. Don't, don't give them ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last little bit here, guys. We do have two winners. Oh! For the Rain Man Digital Premium Membership. So congratulations to you guys. I yes. saw some of the tweets and, and posts yep. online. Thank you guys for taking part of that. That was fun for us. And I will contact each of you later during the week to uh, to hand out your surprise. And surprise. it's a big and it's a big surprise. Ooh. No, I'm just joking. Small. <laughs> but it comes with a kick. A kickstand? Oh man. <laughs> Alright guys, with that we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into our discussion of episode 15, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. So Alright. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. You gotta go harder, man. Ah, there's your come down. Gang gangsters use uh, marijuana cookies, right? No. Is that what they do? Gangsters don't nibble on cookies? No. That's blunt, man. <laughs> gangsters don't nibble <laughs> on cookies. I've never heard that in a Dr. Dre song ever. <laughs> Cruising down the street in my 6'4, nibbling, nibbling on, on the cookies and <laughs> clocking the hose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. The yo, yo, homie! Pass me that cookie, car! <laughs> 
The Girl Scouts are out there at the corner store. You're in the wrong territory, motherfucker. <laughs> this is my corner, man. This is my territory, bitch. <laughs> hey, hey, Wars yo, versus things. Hey, yo, don't talk to my daughter like that. She's 12. For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. Heads up, spoilers. Probably says we're not just talking about a hellhound. We're talking about the hellhound. And I wonder what that is going to be about. I don't know if that's like Lucifer's first pet hellhound or some shit. Oh, dude, do not uh, write. You, just when I have faith in your writing abilities. It's a that joke. Was the, no, was it? a joke. Hey, guys, this is Lucifer. This is my first pet that I've he ever had. He basically wants to Annie him. Like, he oh. wants to turn him. Hey, I made three trivia. No. Well, they've done that with <laughs> Kane and the Princes of Hell. <laughs> Come here, fella. Come here, buddy. Are you hungry, fella? <laughs> <laughs> Come here, boy. I, I honestly Jesus, though, he's miserable. What do you Come feed here, him? killer. Come here, killer. Honestly, though, I wonder what the lore stance is. You always him. know what Thomas is mad is when he keeps talking over the yeah. joke. That's Come here, Be- Beelzebub. <laughs> Come if, here. That's, if that's what his name is. Come terrible. here, Malabolgia. Malaboge, but close. He, he named it Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> is it? A, that, no, never mind. Never mind. Not going to say those. I just had an idea. Oh, my God. You're going to name the dog Spot. No, but you, oh, Lucci. The, Come here, Lucci. <laughs> Lucci. Scooby. No, but what? Speaking Spice of a name, is like Uber creepy, Scoob. It's Astro. <laughs> if you, oh, Raggy. If you want to take though a name from the Bible for a demon. Welcome back, guys. Now we're going to start talking about episode 15, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. I have no Ryan here, so I will have to read the synopsis and hope there's no names in it. Sam and Dean investigate an attack by an invisible hellhound at a campsite. Meanwhile, two of Crowley's own personal demons uncover what he has been hiding. Elsewhere, Castiel gets a lead on Kelly Klein. Now, this one was written by Davy Perez and directed by Nina... Lopez Corrado. Very good. Yay. You get a gold star. Gold star speaking spell class. Yep. Why did I regress to a child? Like, I, when did that happen? I don't know. But you're learning. Very good. I'm very proud. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so this is a, a relatively new team here. Davy Perez has only done three episodes at this point. All this season. All this season. Uh, Nina has done three episodes, two of which are this season, one of which was near the end of last season. So within a year and you know just to be honest uh if i remember correctly 
you didn't really care about the first episode she directed, Red Meat. I, I was not as much of a fan as and many others. I don't think anyone liked the previous episode she directed, which was the one you've been waiting for. Unfortunately, yes. So that's a blight on this season, unfortunately, to a lot of fans. But I think she managed to kind of redeem herself, if that doesn't sound douchey and pretentious. She right. managed to redeem herself, I think, this week. I think being teamed up with Davey is a better fit. Well, I mean, any episode is not just the director or just the writer that's at fault for, quote, a bad episode right. or a weaker episode. It, it's a team effort in many respects. Anybody who knows television or film or, or, frankly, you know, a group project at school knows that there's no one person that's at fault for anything. Right. And but there are though, better teams. And there are, yes, there are. Yes, you're right. Some people have better, you know, chemistry they can take the blueprint in front of them as a director and understand it a bit better maybe than another director um but yes writing is the key i believe to to everything it is the blueprint but the director also needs to be able to read that blueprint and translate it over correctly which i think for the most part i think nina did a good job understanding what davy was trying to convey this week in the episode i agree and He's done a great job this season so far. I mean, two of his episodes, two of his episodes, the only two he's written before this, were some of my favorites. Yeah, he's arguably season. the 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 standout star this year of right. the writing staff. He's uh, is that the right word? Standout star. He's the uh, the shining star. Valedictorian shining yeah, he's star. The, I think he's the VIP of the new writers <laughs> this season. Honestly, I think he's the, the breakout the breakout star. That's that was was, it. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I really do. I, I, I think a lot of us moving into season 12, including this show, was very nervous about there being a, pretty much an entire exodus of writing staff and a new writer and new writers were coming in. A lot of us were very nervous about it. We were on this show. Very much so. And um, to have someone like Davey, who has just kind of dazzled us on pretty much everything he's done, specifically American Nightmare and Stuck in the Middle with you. I mean, he, he's proven himself, and he's quickly become a supernatural favorite amongst the fandom. Very fast, in a very short amount of time. In two episodes, yeah. Yeah. That, that's unprecedented, as far as I know, outside of Kripke, I guess. Right. But that's cheating. Uh, now, this episode as well has some elements from previous seasons, as we discussed earlier. And part of me, and this is something that Mike brought up off-air, part we start to think that this is not so much some of it is dab clearly. Right. But some of this might be the fact that this team of writers is so new. They had to essentially binge watch a decade's worth of television all in a summer in a summer to prepare for this. And there might be something to say about the fact that these elements such as the Colt and Joshua and hellhounds and alphas are coming back. Now it might be that some of these elements were, highlights for these writers. I know the cult is certainly a highlight for me as a fan. Well, you gotta, you gotta look at it like this. Cause I think, you know, you're right. And, um, you gotta look at it like this. Okay. Whether you, there's no argument. I don't care if people disagree because Kripke academically seasons one through five are, are just amazing and gorgeous. It may not be your cup of tea, but academically they're pretty fucking sound. Yeah. And perfect. Um, and, for writers to go back, think about that, Thomas. 
Imagine Dab, you're a brand new rider. You've never been exposed to Supernatural, let's say. And Dab hired you because of your riding credibility, okay? Your, okay. your credentials, you're, you're wet behind the wheels or the ears. I'm wet in the pants because this is, oh Jesus. oh, Jesus, God. Wow. I got excited when you said wet in the pants. <laughs> um, let, let's just say that Dab hired you and said, hey, you've oh. never seen Supernatural and I need you to fully understand and grasp this show. I'm going to need a lot of coffee and, and 12 seasons on Netflix. Yeah, and you went back and you did your thing. You watched the episodes. You would be drawn as a writer, as an academic, you would be drawn to the first five seasons. I think it's impossible not to be. Right. So in retrospect, when you look at this with all this fresh writing talent, I think a big part of it, the reason why they kind of changed their game plan, possibly from only sticking to inspirations from one and two. I think what happened was these new writers are like, holy shit, man, there's a lot of cool things in the first yeah. five seasons. And they were inspired by what Kripke did before. It, I challenge any writer worth his worth a salt. shit. Yeah, worth his salt would not be inspired by what he watched. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if that's why we're getting a lot of these old references back and they're trying to tie them back into the show as well. I think it's a multitude of things. I think that's a huge part of it. I think even with Sarah Gamble and the Alpha, I think just cool ideas people want to elaborate on. There's a reason that fan fiction does that on its own. Well, Thomas, as a writer, okay, okay. you've said continually that if you were to write an episode of Supernatural, in fact, you and I have thrown around yeah. ideas about writing our own fan fiction and possibly shooting it. What's the first thing you say? You immediately go I back. I say the same thing. Do what is it? Number three. Give me three things. First of all, take place between season six and seven. Okay. There's so many ideas there. The second thing I always say, weapons of heaven, mm -hmm. because that's a huge thing that I felt like was not elaborated on enough. And I'd say the third thing is make it a lot darker, like Kripke's run, seasons one through five. Yeah, so you, as a writer, who's drawn to the more Kripke-esque era, slash Gamble, I put them in a very similar category, the two of them. They're very similar, yeah. Um, you immediately have these ideas as a writer and what you would do. You're drawn to these areas for a reason. So it makes, it does make a lot of sense to look at it that way, that these writers are inspired by, by these past episodes. Right. I think some of them are have to be fans at this point, too. I mean, you can't yeah. watch 12 years of television or 11 years of television <laughs> and then still work there and not like it just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I'm envious of people when they've never watched Supernatural and they go back and binge watch, you know, they enjoy 12 years or 11 years. And I'm just like, God, to be that again, to be a virgin <laughs> once again. Well, it, it is something to say about television watching these days yeah. where... It, there's nothing that sucks more to when you're a TV fan than to be caught up. Yep. When you find that gem, that diamond in the rough, that you've got six, seven, ten seasons, Yep. that's just amazing. But if you're caught up and you're waiting week to week, that's miserable. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think that it had to be part of it. I think that's why Joshua makes a play in this episode. And that's a big thing, man. That is huge. It gets so little screen time. And honestly, when he, they first said it, it took me a minute. I was yeah. like, Joshua. And then it clicked. The lights came on. And yep. I was like, no fucking way. Yep. The gardener. The gardener from season five, one of the best episodes, not just of that season, I think of the show as a I whole. Still, I still think his name should have been Jose. Like, he's the gardener. <laughs> Hola. 
Oh God! I am God's gardener. <laughs> that would have been. I, I see. I don't think anyone would take it that seriously. Then why not? Come on! <laughs> it's too on the nose, dude. But for, but for him to show back up in the storyline is huge, and it's it's very little bit of screen time that it's even discussed. And and it opens the doors to something we thought quite literally were closed once again. Yeah. Heaven's role in the show. Now, Heaven seals the doors at the end of season 11. They're like, yeah, we're going to just bunker down. Fuck you, dad, who's literally out there dealing with it. Yeah. Which, Which that's I, how you know they're D-level angels because they're not even like, hey, God's back. We should maybe do something. Yeah, that didn't sit right with me. That bothered me. It, it was like, okay, you guys are like lost little children. This, that's why you're in the state you're in right now currently. Um, God's back. That's a big thing. And we never were able to experience what it meant for God to be back and think about this and for God not to go to heaven to visit. Right. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a thing. If that little, because Dab has been working to redeem a lot of things. And I think a lot of us can't, can't bear through another uninteresting heaven angel storyline i think an interesting element would to be delving would be to delve into areas like that the fact that the what kelvin was the name of the angel castiel met this week the fact that kelvin made a point to say that joshua is trying to get involved with things that he's trying to fix heaven and that hey castiel all is kind of forgiven we need you joshua right. needs you we're That's doing this big. thing yeah what what is making joshua the gardener of all people Wanting to finally pick up the pieces after years of heaven completely falling apart. Well, there's a lot of things I think that can be read into that. One, it has been years, literally years, of heaven quite literally falling apart. Yeah. Between Balthazar, or not Balthazar, um, Bartholomew yep. and the factions after the, first of all, the fall with Metatron, the faction wars, Raphael versus Castiel in season six and seven. Uh, hundreds of angels being slaughtered both in civil wars and by Castiel himself. Y there's been countless problems. And it's just like hell, a lot of the A-listers are gone. Zachariah, Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, numerous others, all gone. All dead. Joshua is one of the few like old souls, old angels that is still around. And I think it makes sense for him to be the one to kind of take the helm of anybody because I'd rather that than because we know he's around still than somebody else who's just another name that gets created yeah but not just that he is the one the only one who really talked to God in between the time of which he left and his return he uh, knew about Sam and Dean had to solve it on their own he's not going to help them he saved them from Lucifer's cage being opened at the end of season four and put him on that plane he guaranteed their spot in heaven. He knew more than anybody. He had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God. Yeah. With God returning just last season, I think it makes sense for him to show up now. But then that begs the question, is there a greater plan at play? Yeah. Is Joshua doing this because he feels he should, because he wants to get heaven on the right track? I, d I never got that vibe from him. I got a vibe from him of incredibly standoffish, but would always do what God wanted. And he also seemed very neutral as well. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't necessarily on the side of the angels. Like 
hey, yeah, let's uh, let's force the Winchesters to do what they don't want to do. Well, he he flat out tells Zachariah to go fuck off. Yeah, and he was pro Winchester, and that also makes me wonder. Yeah, he was neutral, but at the same time, yes, he did he did believe that they had a, another destiny. I guess per, a greater I, purpose. A greater purpose. Yes, that's a better way of saying it. So I'm wondering if that's the reason why also heaven may have a new way of looking at the winchesters because in the past they've always looked at them as a negative as monkeys or apes as they said already this season the other the other um castiel's former crew um but kelvin the angel he met seemed to be okay with them he was like hey you know the winchesters are okay but what can you do imagine what you can do up in heaven you know, pertaining to the Nephilim. So, I mean, I'm wondering if Joshua, because I, I wouldn't want Joshua to change his view on the Winchesters at this point. It seems like, even though no. a lot, even though a lot has transpired since his first, his first um, interaction with them, I, I feel like it would be a, a drastic change in his entire persona that was uh, portrayed in season five. Even though it was very brief, it seems like he has a very strong personality and a kind of a solid resolve to just be swayed by the actions of of a couple humans that obviously was doing God's work and he was on God's team. Right. So I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see what the what the plan is for Joshua. I hope he is more privy to it, though. Like he talked to God or God, if anybody in heaven he spoke with, it would be Joshua. Because there is that one other element of season 11, the other chosen ones. Yeah. You know, yep. does Joshua know about that? If so, what does that mean? Is that beyond Sam and Dean? Is the Nephilim in any way one of the chosen ones? Because it's something that could be powerful enough to oh. put Lucifer down. Yeah. You know, that, that whole sins of the father come up and that would work against Lucifer as a plot device. The... Did you have a question, though? I, did you question this? Um, there's one area that I questioned, and I want to see if you thought the same thing, okay? Um, now, when Lucifer was on the loose, they chose just to kind of buckle down. Right. And then just stick our heads in the ground, right? Right. Okay. Ostrich maneuver. Now, all, even during the darkness, they really did. They tried, but then it's like, ah, we're done. Well, that didn't work. But now they're trying to get involved with the Nephilim. Does it kind of contradict their actions or does it add to the danger that the Nephilim presents? The fact that they're willing to like, whatever, Lucifer's on the loose, we're not going to get involved. But now, everyone, we got to get to the front lines here because there's the Nephilim. The offspring of Lucifer is more dangerous than Lucifer himself. As you remember... They did make that throwaway, I don't think it was throwaway, world ending is what Nephilims present. Is that the word they use? Some phrase like that. They're that magnitude of power. So do you think they're going to be feeding into that? I think it's a couple things. I think with Lucifer, he's such a legendary figure that they're not going to want to fight against him. How do you fight against you know someone who's revered as the best or most evil villain you've ever faced? That's kind of that that mind game alone is going to dissuade a lot of them. I believe with the darkness, it's a similar thing. The darkness is so beyond their comprehension, especially the angels we have left. That their ostrich maneuver of buckling down, closing the doors and hoping the tornado doesn't hit their house is all they can do. I think it's twofold with the Nephilim. One, it does give you the sense that this is such a greater threat 
that they have to take action. But I also feel like it's the element of it's young enough, it's th it's in a vulnerable enough state to where we can do something before it gets to Lucifer darkness level problem where we can't do anything. I think it's one of those, you know, spray the weeds before they pop up over your entire lawn. You preemptive strike. That's the vibe I got from it. Yeah. You have to attack it while you can, because if you don't now, it'll be greater than the other two threats that you were not prepared to take on in the first place. So that's my that. mentality with it. I don't know. I, I, I will say, though, the conversation with Kelvin, which all I think of is science class when I hear, when I hear that. But I feel like that could be a very double-edged sword when it comes to Castiel. We know that he longs for heaven in some respect. He is more of a human now. He identifies more with the Winchesters. He's family with them. The angels have cast him out. He's so different now than any of them. We saw that with his old team. We've seen that over the years. He has all kinds of earthly, worldly, human experiences that they just don't understand or can't comprehend. And in their eyes, for most of them, he's a traitor and or murderer. At best, he's a scorned hero so there are a lot of elements of him that sh should have nothing to do with heaven but we know he still is an angel he still feels out of place that was an element that was brought up with mary in the beginning of this season they are both kind of out of their element and we see that come to light here he may be a win team winchester team free will family member but at the same time, he's not one of them. He doesn't live there. He doesn't hang out in the bunker on yeah. a regular occasion. He still misses home. There's still a homesickness element to that. Well, they also said that, didn't they? That when angels are away from heaven too long, it hurts or something? Or they, they like they, lose power, I believe. Or, or they yearn for it. Yeah. Like maybe like some pain between, you know, in the loins, maybe. <laughs> An urging. Yeah. Maybe lack of thrust power. Some tightness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, the inability to perform. Oh. I, I don't know. Perhaps. Could be any one of those things. Could be all of them. I think we should establish it as canon. <laughs> Castiel's like, my loins hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible Castiel voice. You, you fix it in post. Make it sound really good. I'll add some bass to it. Now, <laughs> that could be something. It, it, it could work because we know he's sought redemption in so many ways ever since the fall with Metatron. I mean, Heaven still uses the back door. Nobody can go through the oh. front way. They all still don't have their wings except Lucifer and Michael. Yeah. He's still responsible for them having to deal with gas mileage. Yeah. You I, know? It, it works in a lot of ways. Using Ca This is such a great way to use Castiel this season without having to nerf him, as we always have said since we, what, when we started doing this show since, in season nine. Uh, and I think throughout those last three years we've always used the term nerf yeah and they have managed to use castiel this season in a way that makes a lot of sense to his character and the the background they have built for him this season really works for him for his goals for his obvious character arc that they're taking it i agree i feel like there were other seasons that he wasn't needed. He wasn't needed or it didn't fit as well as to why he wasn't more involved. I mean, the correct me if I'm wrong. The first one I think of is season 10 mm -hmm. in some ways because he has some of his powers back, but he's not 
as useful and there's not as much going on on his end. So it wasn't like season 11 where he's the vessel for Lucifer. That worked. It made sense for him to be in the story. This does fit better. And I think this does kind of bring his story not full circle, but like another chapter in it. Yeah. Because he's clearly, like I said, so different than the average angel, but he still does have that I'm not home feeling. Now, I also don't trust Kelvin or the other angels. We, You have to remember, season four, angels are dicks. Is there some kind of ultimate punishment that could come from that? I don't necessarily view that. Yeah. But I also don't I think trust ben, them. been there, done that. I, I think Dab is trying to repair some of the... I, we said this last week that we think Dab is probably very in tune with the audience. He's not reading social media per se, but he I think he understands. He himself may be a fan of Supernatural. He's been there, you know, from from season four. He might have grown into really appreciating the show. And maybe he has a more fan look at it. Maybe he can look at it more. Uh, maybe it's more subjective rather than objective. Okay, which is usually what a writer wants to have. So he's looking at this as a fan himself, and maybe he's trying to fix some things as a fan that he doesn't like. So I don't think that he's going to go down that the betrayal route. I think he's going to go down the route that the angels are. They don't have a grind, you know, an axe to grind. I think it's going to be something more along the lines that of what Kelvin said to Castile. I think it's a little bit of what you see is what you get. It could be, and I, I do agree with you that the idea of him being more subjective as to what we want to see as fans yeah. makes more sense in this regard, because I agree, where we had left heaven before felt very neutered, for lack of a better term. It was very cruddy angels who were kind of listening to Lucifer and shut the door and didn't really know what they were doing. If you reopen it, give them a strong leader like Joshua and yeah. kind of make it a stronger force again... Yep. It'll feel more imposing. It's the same element we were talking about with the demons, where the demons have felt for the longest time the butt of jokes. And in this season, they had been, until two in, two in particular this week, <laughs> they had felt far more threatening. They were a dark force again. They were malevolent and evil and powerful and, when the princes were involved. And even what we have saw of the angels this year, they've been less hokey and Three Stooges-ish yeah. and more just... Hey, we're angels, and they're more like the old school angels. They're just—they're doing their job. They're gonna—they're gonna smite a woman who's pregnant. I yeah. mean, that's pretty damn evil. That's pretty dark. <laughs> that and that reminds me of Uriel from season four, where they're yeah. like, "All right, well, they're trying to get rid of a what was it, a seal of hell, right? One of the gates, seals, yeah. and they're so we're gonna nuke a town." Yeah. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Dial that back just a little bit. Yeah, because so so if we just look at the evidence from this season and what Dab's doing, I I, I think we're okay with the Angel situation. And I'm never I've never been opposed to having Angels back. I'm just opposed to dealing with weak, the, lame, yeah, ver, again neutered versions. And a lot of it was ways to keep Castiel involved. And this year, Castiel is involved without needing the heaven thing, without needing that heaven element to keep him relevant. They've managed right. to actually innervate him into the story where it matters. So I think now that they fixed it with Castiel, which was the source of the problem, and please don't get mad at me, people. I love Castiel, but because they want to keep Castiel, Castiel in, that's what created the angel problem, the yeah. angel issue. So well, you needed a reason. 
Right. And now that they do, they can introduce the angels in a way that feels natural. And I think this does make sense so far. Yeah. So far. And I agree. Knocking I, on wood here. Yeah, I agree. I think the it is kind of a let's not exactly a a, a non retcon is what feels a lot of what Dab is doing. Yeah. Let's fix our interpretation or our view on demons and make them threatening. Let's fix our interpretation of angels and make them uncaring, unflinching, frankly, murdering soldiers like Isham and people who would kill a pregnant woman because there's a possible threat. Let's make, let's put the fangs back in, in many respects. Yep. I think that works. I do too. I agree. Now, the biggest element of this episode for me is definitely Crowley. He feels like he is the most important parts of this story. Sam and Dean and the Hellhound is kind of the monster of the week this week. Castiel is tidbits of very interesting stuff, but just tidbits. Whereas Crowley is the crux of this episode. Not just with his involvement with the Hellhound, but his relationship to Sam and Dean in this episode, as well as his relationship with Lucifer. Now, part of me was a little like, dude, you are so setting yourself up to get your ass chewed out here. You, you are setting yourself up to fail. Pride come before the fall. When he's mocking Lucifer in his pseudo chained up cage. Yeah. You know? I don't know. What else would you call that? <laughs> I don't know. Sex Borderline uh, sex dungeon? Uh, yeah, sex dungeon. <laughs> he's got the, the... What was it? I think Crowley's working through some, uh, some fantasies that he might have with Lucifer. He's got the gag ish in, in, you know, handcuffs. Yeah. That's half of the stuff right there. There you go. Very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, uh, I knew... Did you not get that vibe, though? I, I, yeah, in but, the beginning? I, but I also felt that Crowley... Uh, we've seen Crowley throughout the years but and we know what he's capable of and yes i think he's in over his head but at the same time i i wasn't surprised when he had a a fail safe for for lucifer because and and i didn't feel like it was a jump the shark or no. a, or a contrived you know bit i felt like it made sense to his character because crowley is a chess player he knows he'll never be as powerful as lucifer there's just no way so what does he do? He plays the game. He knows what to do. The art of manipulation and misdirection. That's what he You've does. You've already lost before you even realized you were playing. Right. And we already know Lucifer is not that. No, Lucifer has always been brute force. He's been a little bit of planning, but I think that was a lot more Azazel, honestly. Yeah. His, with his, the, the Croatoan virus. The followers were the ones who put those all that those uh, plans into play Azazel's the one who did the psychic children to yeah. find the right vessel Azazel's the one with the Croatoan virus they're the ones who are the planners in any way and Lucifer had an ultimate goal he just he has some planning he's not an idiot I no, mean, we saw no. that with season 11 and the whispering to Sam and convincing him to come down to the cage we know that Bruce Kripke's run he's not an idiot but he's not Crowley in that regard and I'm not to not saying it felt contrived in anything like that because I did agree with, I do agree with you. I think he is the chess player. He played the ultimate card. That was brilliant. That was very Crowley-esque and I loved it. And I liked this explanation better than it works. It worked better knowing that, okay, the reason why it works more than the actual chains themselves being made from the same 
thing that the from the same elements that the cage was made from. This makes sense because of things that we've seen before in Supernatural. For the example, established universe, right? For example, the 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 bones of the Winchesters being branded with um Enochian with, warding, right? So we know that you can do those things at a molecular level. So it makes sense to the world of Supernatural and what they've set in place already. So when he said that, that the and also we he again wasn't dropped on us. He said it two weeks ago uh, that they rebuilt the vessel, which should have been the the hint that there was something going on with his vessel. Do you honestly think they would make right. this vessel so that he can just be strong and survive in it? No, they made it to be his prison, and it made so much sense. And I liked it way more than the than the than the chains. Well, not just that; it works for Lucifer's ultimate weakness in many ways is always been the limitations of the vessel he's in yeah yes it stays true to he's that, that whole motif you're right the, the main average person he'll burn through before they even realize what's happening some people like uh i'm rick springfield's character i can't remember his character's name now but rick springfield yeah. will last longer Vince. mark pellegrino will last the, the nick character will last the longest but unless it's Sam, it was always going to be a temporary thing. And yeah. Sam is where he has his true power because like Dean was the Michael sword, that is his weapon in many respects. Because just as an angel floating in the ether, he can't do a tenth of what he's capable of. So it, it works to his ultimate weakness, which I like that. But also, it, it doesn't... It, it's kind of that ultimate weakness, but also what he fears is constantly being trapped that's what lucifer has always been yeah. he's wanted out of the cage he's wants nothing more than to have his true vessel and full reign of his power doesn't get either of those and now he's trapped there in this prison and it's it was very much very very slight but it reminded me of i don't remember the author at this time but the short story i have no mouth and i must scream it's a horror story that takes place in science fiction but the whole element is spoiler if you haven't read it at the very end this guy is trying to end his misery in this apocalyptic world and tries to kill himself. Yeah. But the God robot monster doesn't let him. And it basically makes his body a prison that he's trapped in forever. He can't die. And that's kind of what they have in this with Lucifer. He's trapped in this body that it will always be weakened now, unless there's something we don't know about some kind of runes or magic and he'll never achieve full power, which kind of works. Now I will say I was not exactly happy with, and I don't, this is a bit of a Lucifer fanboy, I'll admit, but but at the same time, I didn't like how he finally breaks free and he's going to kick Crowley's ass and then the lights go out, quite literally, again. It feels like every time we've gotten, oh shit, Lucifer's going to fuck somebody up and we get the awesome wing shot, something happens. They have to. And I know they have to. I understand it's Lucifer. That. They have to. I understand that. But what I'm saying, my my thoughts. So I'm gonna bitch for a minute. It's, oh. It completely makes sense because you cannot have him be at full power. But then keep him in the back room locked up until the last couple of episodes. I mean, maybe that that's just me, but it feels like every time we get there, and we don't. We get there really close. They're edging us on this entire concept uh, of just, Lucifer just, fucking some people just, up. Just giving you the Lucifer tip? Just the tip. Yeah, the Lucifer. The, the Lu Lucifer The Lucci tip. tip. <laughs> With no condom. The Lucci tip. Just going in raw. Yeah. Did I mean, that bothered me, but I get it. I understand. 
they didn't bother me because I because I know the you and I are we understand it, but to me it doesn't bother me because I already knew it was going to happen. And ultimately, it worked for Crowley. That was very satisfying seeing him punch Lucifer because he was ten steps ahead, as he said, not to. But you know, Thomas, this is the problem with having Lucifer in the show. It is absolutely it is. You cannot have him be that powerful. And in the show, which is why in season five it works, because he's in a handful of episodes, and that's the big bad that we've been working towards. So and it's resolved in the think final episode. This year. <sighs> I think Lucifer's Sad. dead, Thomas. Here's the thing. I think you're right in that I'd rather see him die this season, like from the Nephilim, or frankly, God showing up, or something. His own offspring killing him. Sins of the Father would be would absolutely work. heartbreaking and it would work for his character because something of his own blood, something he created, still turned on him much like God. He did himself. Betrayal. It would be so freaking Shakespearean. It would be very sad and it would work for his character. Not, and I would be satisfied with saying yeah. goodbye to that character if it happened in that way. Not just because you of. Imagine if his own offspring kills him. Oh. Win. I'm going to call it. And say when. Yeah, I agree. Because of two things. One, like you said, the Shakespearean tragedy of the only person, or theoretically the only being besides his father, who should be in his court, should love him, is the thing that kills him. Yeah. That's yeah. tragic. Yeah. But not just that, but because of the comeuppance of the son betraying the father, which is what Lucifer, in many respects, did to God. Yeah. And it's his own medicine. It comes full circle. It is and very... maybe at that last moment when he does die, he finally understands his father, mm. like God. Like he understands. Yeah. Dude, that would be so good. That's, that's Greek Shakespearean level tragedy there. Yeah. And that would be great. And I would rather see that than continue this edging. Well, he's kind of powerful, but not really. And he's in some other vessel, but not really. And yeah. then for another season. I don't want that. Yeah. I agree. Have him, like I've said before, have him go out on top. Land the plane smoothly. Don't keep riding it into the ground. Yeah. So that's where that is. I'm going to gripe eventually whenever that happens. But but moving back to Crowley, did you get an ominous vibe in this episode, though, regardless of him playing outplaying Lucifer when Sam and him and Dean kind of make amends? I did. But, for first, me, but first, did. we got to go to a library. For Patreon. Oh. So let's go into that really fast. I gotta scroll up. Tell me when you're ready. Talk about it. Casually. So guys, as you know, we've been doing this show for three years now. Just about three years now. And we want to do more for you guys. Not just because it's fun for us, although that is a big incentive. <laughs> yeah. It but is. because we have a ton of ideas for Supernatural The Crossroads and on the Rain Man Digital Network as a whole. We have started a Patreon. I'm sure you guys have heard about it at this point, but that is a thing that you guys can help us grow the show and grow the network. If everybody gave just a little bit, whatever you can do, whatever you can manage, as long as it doesn't you know, cost you food, we don't want that, of course. But whatever you guys can do... We don't want to do, take you know, food from your children's We don't want to take mouth. what you can't give. Yeah. But whatever you guys can give or can help us out with, it'll allow us to do more for the show. We've got additional video casts and additional episodes through the Rain Man Digital Premium Service, including three additional new shows, Comic Book Chaos, Hangover Betty, and From the Holodeck, a Star Trek episode show. And we've also got ideas for reviewing Timeless and bringing the Rain Man show to a five-day-a-week schedule. 
So all of this stuff, guys, would be possible by you. We want to thank anybody who has already donated. But if you are interested in this, there is all kinds of incentives, prizes, gifts, swag, conversations with us in the middle of the night when Ryan's alone. In fact, we did. We had an actual one-on-one Google Hangout session. Basically, yes, own, their own personal show. What was it, like four in the morning over it in the UK? It was two or three in the morning in the UK. Yeah. Because we were assholes and didn't fix scheduling. I, I felt bad. I didn't realize it. I was like, hey, are you going to still get on? And they had to wake up to get yeah, on. Yeah, we woke them up to talk to us. Yeah, it's awesome. But no, yes, Patreon, guys. Also, what, what do we have coming up? Video cast wise, we just did the um, Dark Water. We just did season, season one, episode three, Dark Water. Same exact style of show, but with the previous seasons, it's starting like re- from retro the beginning. Reviews is what we do. It really is, along with the, you know special specialty content as well, video content and more. So if you guys are interested in any of that stuff, check out the Patreon, donate what you can, and we love you all. So I did get an ominous vibe with Crowley and them making amends, especially after recent incidents in the show when Castiel nearly dies. And now they're like, hey, Crowley, you're one of us. We're friends again, which I liked. I did. I felt good. I felt felt vindicated. You know, as uh, I say this a lot in the show, I want certain characters to get their due a bit. And I know some people strongly disagree that Crowley deserves anything but, you know, an angel blade to the throat. But I'm not... I'm not amongst those. I feel that he has changed ever since he was exercised and he almost became Became human. human. He got to a point where he almost redeemed himself as a, as a person and he gained, regained his humanity. And since he's regained a portion of his humanity, he's been different. He is a very different person that we were first introduced to in season five. Yeah. So, I think they've been working their way to this very point and it does scare me. And I know we say this a lot this year, but why writers don't do things for no reason. Thomas, we already know that they don't just, they don't give Crowley a little pat on the back and Sam finally acknowledging Crowley's good unless they have a reason to. Yeah. And that that does worry me because this is something, like you said, this is something we've been talking about for a while, but there is the very real possibility of a character meeting an untimely demise this season. And with everyone kind of resolving their issues, that is a fucking red flare for tragic death incoming. Now, anybody who's played Call of Duty, if you have have characters resolve their issues, someone's going to die. I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler, but that happens literally in the last Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Two characters don't like each other. They spend some time together. They make amends. They're all friends, and then somebody eats it. It happens. It's it's almost a trope, I think, at this point. But like you said, the writers aren't doing this for no reason. Is this leading to Crowley being written out of the show? I, I would be very sad about that, but I think that also feeds into the idea of him playing with fire. That is Lucifer. Yeah, and they, they could be just be uh you know feeding off our fears we could they could just be trying to do that they could they could be making us afraid and then turn it around into giving him a true reason to work with the winchesters and be a part of team free will yeah in a more permanent capacity we've talked about that since crowley since season nine when crowley would no longer cared about hell and wanted to just kind of move on 
And we still don't know how the British Men of Letters would react to the fact that they're, you know, cutting the rug, cutting some rug with a, with a demon. That could, and not just a demon, the demon. That could very easily be something that the British Men of Letters do as seeing Hill Crowley, seeing it being the common good, which would drive that wedge between the Winchesters and the British Men of Letters, making them enemies. Yeah. I mean, they're already, they're barely on good terms as it is. Yeah. That would be the put, the tipping point. That would send Dean right away to tell them to go F themselves. And I think Sam turning over a new leaf with how he reacted and treated Crowley in this episode. Well, it has a lot to do with even the previous season as Dean's or the previous episode, as Dean said, Hey, you save, you save Castile. There was no reason for him. And there wasn't. No, it was zero actually, benefit for him. it was actually for once unselfish. It, so it, that's it was huge. as so, so it would seem so far that it was very selfless with very, with no reason for him to do it. So, I mean, they're working us towards that direction to them forgiving him a bit because, you know, of what Dean said. Then, I mean, and the fact that, I mean, we already know that Dean and Crowley bro it out from time to time and, and they have a, a bit of a friendship there. But, uh, but Sam's never, ever crossed that line to becoming a friend in any way with Crowley. Right. So he tried to kill him in season 10. Yeah. So for <laughs> Sam to, for them to make it a point for Sam to say thank you, I mean, that's a big thing. That isn't just some little throwaway yeah. feel-good moment. It's either going to be tragic or, like you said, it could be to deliberately throw us off the scent. Yeah. Either way, we need to keep an eye out for that and what that could mean. Right. Now, speaking of Crowley's whole purpose in this episode, let's get to the main bit, the new Hellhound lore for us. Which, as I said earlier, I called this one. Yes, you did, even though we mocked you. Well, you mocked me. You mocked me. Oh. But look. Dude, we didn't just mock you. We belittled. Like, we were. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole gamut of, yo, Thomas is an idiot. Thomas is stupid. You're a bad writer. Well, apparently, I'm good enough to be on the show. Oh, Son of a bitch. Simmer down. But even you got, we got <laughs> tweets about it as well. Did we mention that at the, at the top of the show yet? No, there we was, didn't mention the There was actually tweets. tweets from, what, at Mary... M. Ferry, yeah. she tweeted out, oh my god, I'm dying. Everybody making fun of Thomas's theory about the hellhound last week on Crossroads and he was right. Yup. <laughs> and I tweeted her back a picture of Chuck, because I keep saying more like a prophet. Oh. <laughs> but, but Chuck was God, though. So. It was a season four photo. So that still counts. I didn't want to use Kevin. I didn't have a good picture. <laughs> so dumb. No, aside from tooting my own horn, the we learned that there was initial beginning hellhounds and you know the more we learn about god in the beginning this this version of chuck we know since don't call me shirley it, i'm like yeah that seems to make sense because in the beginning he had a dick sister then he made crappy leviathans and then he made crappy hellhounds and the whole time he's like this isn't working out you can just imagine him meddling with that stuff the chuck we know who's half involved in right like, yeah, man, maybe this needs a second drawing, a redo on this one, to come back to the drawing board and fix that. Less murder and death 2.0. I could totally see that. Yeah. Now, we find out that he tried to get rid of them all, but Lucifer's actually the one who saved the pregnant female named Ramsey, which I did like the Game of Thrones reference. I mean, did you catch that? Oh, no. But now, now Game yeah. of Thrones, the evil, violent character Ramsey is known for his dogs. I think I was still recovering at this point from the Negan reference. 
Because, oh my God, in. did you notice it? <laughs> Took a half hour for you to recover. Yeah. Well, there's a Game of Thrones reference too. The other big show on television these days, Ramsey is incredibly violent and he is known for his dogs that attack people on his command. His homies? He actually, he has dogs Home, that he homies? would. Homies? Yeah. Homies were attacking his command? Yeah, that's it. Is that what you mean? No. God damn. <laughs> Actual, you know, violent dogs that he used to kill people, which fits with the whole hellhound theme. And it was Lucifer's pet, essentially. The yeah. first one. She gave birth to the subsequent hellhounds. And that, apparently she's the only answers to him, which is a bit of an issue. So they end up having to put, you know, old yeller down. I, so stupid, but I, you know what? <laughs> I think it works. Honestly, I was actually a little giddy when they started saying it was a little bit of ex expositiony. I mean, but I think in this instance, it, it did work having that lore kind of feed into it. Yeah, I, I think it worked, man. Especially because I just love ancient lore, and it also makes sense as you were saying. It does make sense to to God. I mean, he's a lonely individual. He made he created things to begin, you know, for a reason. You know, he locked away his sister. I mean, for him to create a a best friend, yeah, for right? himself, it it's actually so petty. It, oh yeah, and it makes sense to his whole morose demeanor. Yeah, so I liked it, and then the fact that even even way back then, it shows how 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 just defiant Lucifer was, even in something like fuck this. you, Dad. You're not going to keep in the dog. Yeah, you're not going to destroy this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. It, it, it fit. Yeah, it worked. I liked it. And it was cool to see the goggles again and see the hellhound in full form. I just think Dean's so sexy. Those hipster, hipster oh, glasses. Such a douche. Oh, so sexy. I did immediately see when I saw him and saying, like, you guys look like you hipsters. were like, so you were sexy. You were like, oh, you ever, you, did you hear all the sighing of all the fangirls around hear, the world? You could hear the heart skip a beat. Ah, <laughs> I, my heart skipped. Yeah, I, could, I was talking about you. And and also I throbbed down beneath. <laughs> That's oh, why your heart skipped. All the yeah. blood went somewhere else. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man. No, they did look a bit hipstery, but you know whatever. It, it's the established goggles at this point. But they should just got some cheap ones from like Walgreens. Like, why did they have to get cool looking like Gucci like Prada glasses? Yeah, just you get, know, get a couple of cheaters. What is it? Angel? What? Wait, what is it? Uh, holy, fire. holy, holy fire! Like they could have just got some cheaters from Walgreens yeah. for five bucks. Shitty looking glasses. But no, they went with the Oakleys. Yeah. So apparently they've got a budget. Prada or nothing. It's, it's <laughs> part of the spell. It's got to be Prada. Now I did like the visual effects with the dog. I loved the bit where you couldn't see it because Sam got his his goggles knocked off and yep. you just see the breath coming out I of agree. nowhere. Yep, I love it. That was cool. That reminded me very much of season one and two in Ghosts and just the thing you can't see going bump in the night. I liked that element. And I did like the shot with the through the goggles from it. the floor. Oh, so that good. looked cool. That uh, worked really and well. And it was smart because as we know, like the hell I think I said last week I wasn't sure if I wanted to see him. Didn't I say something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Um I I I think we I'm ready to see what they look like, I think is what I said last week. But at the same time, I was afraid because I don't want the mystique to be ruined. And I think overall it was smart to keep them still kind of mysterious. Yeah, you you see them, but it's not exactly a clear picture. Uh, yeah, it worked, and especially with the whole, like, Sam losing his glasses, like you were saying. That camera, not only was it just creative and cool, but also it was a nice way to cheat visual effects-wise. We don't know how big the budgets are for them to create, you know, a full-on render 
of the Hellhound. I know I said last week it would be cool to see like what they did with the Banshee, but I think overall, I think it worked. And I, and ultimately, I was satisfied with with how it came out. Yeah, I agree. I think it looked pretty cool. I mean, I I did want her to look a little like larger or more vicious, but I think it still looked cool. And again, the breath shot just did it for me. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was just so cool. Yeah, that awesome. just well done. It didn't look odd or out of place. It looked like they it was real at that point. Yeah. So and that did fit into the horror because it's something you can't see. Yep. So. Moving on to the last little bits here, the the parallel story throughout the episode, which is something Supernatural's done time and time again. The girl who's being hunted by the hellhound feels terrible because she lied by not telling her boyfriend at the time that it was pretty much over between them. And that's the only reason he was even out camping. It's something that he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been involved and he shouldn't have died as a result. And so she carries this guilt, which is unfortunate. And, and I feel like Sam even says, you know, it, it's not her fault, so it's it's misplaced guilt, but that's a big part of not just Supernatural, but you know, the Sam the Winchester Brothers storyline in many respects. And like before, Sam takes that to heart, and he tells Dean about them getting cases from the British Men of Letters. When we were dealing with the Walking Dead reference, we find out that's why they've been working so much lately and so successful they are getting cases directly from Frodo as Sam's phone so affectionately calls him uh, McDavies. And they did something very, very different this time. Sam comes clean about lying to his brother pretty soon after the fact. One, huge. And two, and this I thought was the big thing, Dean understands, accepts, and moves on rather than lashes out and is angry about the lie. And to me, that show that was big because that shows that Dean has matured in many ways. But both of them, both of them have yeah. matured. I mean, in years past, Sam would have just held on to that lie, you know, for the like fact, half a season. Yeah, the fact that he, you, you get a sense that he's over it as well. He's over the lie, and that was definitely conveyed in his performance. It wasn't just like, "Hey, this this uh, this woman, you know, helped me see the error of my ways." Yes, I think it helped nudge him in the right direction. But it was already something you you get the idea that like ah, I'm done with man I'm tired of these lies yeah I'm over it and Dean seemed like he wasn't surprised he, Dean isn't dumb he knew I'm willing to bet he had an idea he just is he we already know Dean likes to do what he likes to throw himself in hunting and forget everything else yeah. but he probably was already aware he's not dumb um and I think he was ready just to say yes but he's stubborn sometimes so I think it worked for both their personalities honestly I think it it worked and it made sense for them to both kind of move forward from that point. I liked it because like you said, it's, it's them maturing. It's them moving forward. It's not a repeat of, I'm glad that part wasn't taken back yeah. from seasons no, one and two. I agree. Because it has to have changed 12 years later that they're not the same people. They wouldn't be that mad about it. And he'd understand for whatever reason. So I, I liked that. I thought that was well done, but that does bring up the question with the British middle letters involved. And again, this has kind of been the running theme this season. What does that mean? Is Are we going to find out more about what they're truly there for? We know they're going on a monster genocide, as we saw with the vampires. Yeah. What else is that going to lead to? What do the old men at the top of the ladder 
want from the Winchesters because they are essentially working for them now. Yep. Have other hunters join the British Mail Letter ranks as a result? Has word spread? Because as that's the that's what they've led us to believe so far. The writers they've led us by the nose to think this is the true goal. The goal was to get the Winchesters on board because they have they're respected. They have the the clout to bring the rest right. of the hunters on board. But it can't be this simple because they've achieved their goal. What now? So are we going to hearken back to the previous uh, season premiere, I should say, uh, that from this season where they alluded to the fact that there are other there's people involved that may be helping the monsters continue to grow? Are we going to get into that territory or are we going to reveal more about the men, the old men who run the British Men of Letters, the Men of Letters chapter out in the UK? Um, so it could kind of go any direction right now. I mean, they kind of they've kind of brought those ends of the story together. And now we're just kind of waiting to see what they've had planned. Yeah, now. I think it's about time for the reveal at this point. Yeah, we I agree. had the setup of them being instigators or antagonists. We've had them mend fences between Mary and Sam and Dean. We've had them work together at this point and see the benefits that can come from it. But also the risks, as we saw with Mr. Ketch and his violent ways. And seeing how the British Middle Letters are not clearly up to snuff in all regards. But now I think it's kind of time to see what the end goal is. What has been the purpose? Are we moving towards something nefarious or is this going to be a team effort? What exactly are they up to? So I think we're going to find out relatively soon. So with that, guys, I think it's time we kind of wrap this one up with our final thoughts. Mike, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on this one? We usually give Ryan the lead on this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I felt like this was a much tighter episode than Nina Lopez Corrado had done earlier, worked on earlier this season. I felt like she's a better fit with, uh, with, uh, with Davey Perez. I feel like he writes the blueprint and she can read that better than the previous writer she was teamed up with. And again, I'm not blaming the writer necessarily, but ultimately it, that episode failed. And unfortunately, the director probably takes a little bit of heat as well. So I'm glad that she was able to team up with with David, who's a very strong writer who's quickly becoming, you know, one of my favorites. He has definitely right. flexed his writing genius this season. And I think it's worked for him in a very big way. And the fact, again, that he's been given myth arc episodes or at least episodes with heavy lore, uh, heavy implications, uh, to give this yeah. to a year one writer is is amazing for him. And it shows you the amount of faith that Dab has in Davy Perez. And it makes sense when you see how good he is at writing. So it was fun. I'm always looking forward to seeing what Davy is, uh, is up to. Uh, I love the bits of lore that we got on the Hellhound. And the reveal of Lucifer and how his vessel is truly the prison yeah. and how it fits in the world of supernatural. That makes sense. It being the vessel at a molecular level, as we've seen before, established in supernatural, like the Enochian warding on Sam and Dean. They've done things like that before. Um, so I think this episode worked. Um, ultimately, I would say it's a B, a B, a B episode. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I love the Crowley reveal that he's smarter playing his element against Lucifer. 
And I do think that keeping the vessel as the prison worked a lot better than the whole, oh, the chains are really, really good chains. <laughs> you know, the yeah. vessel is the crux of his, it's his Achilles heel. So it makes sense to make that the new prison for him. I love Mark Pellegrino as always, and Crowley and his banter works great for me. The Hellhound was cool. I love the visual effects with the the air, the, the hot breath in the cold air. I also, I didn't say this when we were talking about it, but I loved that shot of turning on the headlights to reveal the Hellhound. That worked. I got, it got a jump out of me. I thought that was cool. Uh, I like the implications of Castiel with Joshua and where that could go. And again, I think, like you said, uh, Nina's directing was stronger in this episode, or it feel yeah. like it flowed better. Davy Perez has done a great job. We get it is a little exposition exposition heavy, and it is a little bit of a monster of the week in many respects, especially if you're just Sam and Dean, right? And it just kind of goes through the motions, but it, it has some interesting stuff. But it's all very small bits of interesting stuff over a much larger right. monster of the week episode. So while I do think it is good, it is also going to be a B for me. But okay. solid episode. So all right. So with that, guys, that's pretty much going to do it here for us at Supernatural The Crossroads. We are actually going to be off for the next two weeks because Supernatural is off for the next two weeks. And we may not have a new episode out, but we are going to be working on video cast stuff. So premium listeners will and viewers, I guess it's viewers. Yeah. And, right? li- and listeners, we do, we, we do an audio version of the, of the premium. We go content. both ways on the premium. We, yes, we go both ways and we enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be working on that, so maybe we'll have something for you guys. It'll depend on schedules. And as always, we are going to be at the Creation Entertainment Convention in Phoenix this summer. It's June, right? Right. June. In June, we, we're out of the running for the yeah. Seattle one. Sorry, Seattle. We we couldn't make that one work in time. Can you just hear all the size? All three size. Like, oh. <laughs> and one F you guys. <laughs> I heard that one too. That might have been Ryan. <laughs> But we are going to be at the Phoenix one, so if you guys are in the area or coming out to that one, stop by. We would love to talk to anybody. And we are working on the fan fiction contest that is still going. It's a lot to read. It's a lot more than I thought it was going to be to read. I was thinking like a couple of pages. We might have to put one. some rules on the next one. Uh, just because people term- are writing novellas, and I'm not. I was surprised by that. Yeah, it's taking a lot longer. I mean, I am. Jo- I'm enjoying it, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of work. No, it's like well, when you sit there and you read for two hours, then you're like a quarter of the way through one. You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I need to up my reading level. I need time learned reading again <laughs> from school. Oh, so with that, guys, that's going to do it here for Supernatural Crossroads. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all in about two weeks. Later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.